Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. As we uh, keep an eye on this big, beautiful ball we call the Earth, uh, I am keeping an eye right now on the Gulf of Mexico, Tropical Storm Marco, and her, which every time I hear this, that you know, there's Marco and then there's another storm right behind it. Does anybody else's brain go where my brain goes and just immediately say Polo? I'm having a hard time calling the second storm Laura, but her name is Laura. All right. So Tropical Storm Marco and then followed hot on Marco's heels, Hurricane Laura, both projected to make landfall in Louisiana this week. So let's be uh, shoring up our prayers for people on the Gulf Coast. Hundreds of fires continue to burn in California. They have become uh, not only devastating to personal property, property, they have become deadly. Um, And and today is going to be a particularly bad weather day, poor weather day in terms of all of this. They are expecting uh, another um, uh, cycle of dry thunderstorms. Dry thunderstorms basically are just lightning storms. Um, And when that lightning uh, strikes the ground, obviously amidst the very high temperatures being experienced in uh, in California right now and plenty of fuel that is um, crispy. I don't have another word for that either. It's super duper dry out there. Um, and so, and then they've got these winds that are coming as well that are going to drive those fires. So let's be praying today, not only for property owners and that people would get out of the way, um, but that all of the firefighters on the front lines of all of this would be kept safe. There have been um, first responders whose lives have been lost in the midst of this, uh, seeking to rescue those um, who could not get out of the fire's way. And so if you are in the path and you're ordered to evacuate, please do so. Let's be praying for the people of California as they face these horrific fires. And then uh, finally, let me just say, the people of Iowa, you're finally getting some attention in the national news. We have covered the derecho story here. We have talked with um, folks on the ground in Iowa, continuing not only to pray for you, but sending resources your way. It's finally uh, got the attention of the national news. The New York Times is featuring a story today entitled Swift Storm Left Iowa in Tatters. Um, And hopefully that story will garner uh, additional attention for our good friends and neighbors in Iowa, um, just seeking to still get the power back on in some places after that derecho, which was two weeks ago today. Bottom line, our neighbors are suffering. Maybe you are suffering today as well. So just hear me. Hear me when I say this. You are not alone. You are not alone. And you are not forsaken. God is near to the brokenhearted, and the church is big enough. The church is big enough to respond. So where God has you deployed today to be a first responder out there for those who are suffering, neighbors uh, whom you encounter who are in need of mercy, do so. Um, and uh, and let us be praying that we would continue to have our hearts and minds and eyes open to the needs of others uh, to which God has sent us to respond. All right. First up this morning in this hour, Michelle Watson Canfield. We're going to talk about her brand new book, Let's Talk 
conversation starters for dads and daughters. And yes, I've got copies to give away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Excited to have with us today, Michelle Watson Canfield. Uh, Among many other things, she is the author of Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. Michelle, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's um, let's start with this. Introduce yourself to our audience. Um, remind them of the breadth and depth of your work on this subject matter area, because you really give a unique contribution and perspective on dads and daughters. You're right. It is really unique. Let's call it unusual to have a woman telling men, right, how to be a better dad. And yet it was 10 years ago, I was reading in Luke 1, where God said, you know, that his son was going to help turn the hearts of fathers to their kids. And I just heard God say, Michelle, that's what I want you to do. And I was like, what? So I have been spending the last decade coaching dads of daughters ages 13 to 30 when it gets a little harder, right? A little more challenging for dads because their daughters are more verbal and emotional. And so I meet with dads for nine months, once a month, every year, teaching, coaching them how to be a better dialed in dad to their daughter's heart. And in the last 10 years, I've you know, done so many other things. I This is my second book that I've just written that we're going to talk about today for dads of daughters. Started a radio program podcast four years ago called The Dad Whisperer. And so I'm all about helping dads dial into their daughter's heart space. Okay. So I totally love this. I have uh, a stepdaughter in my home right now who falls into this age range. Uh, and I would say that more verbal and more emotional are really good <laughs> descriptions of the 16-year-old that lives in my house. And so part of this is there is a communication gap that grows, but but dads really have to invest themselves in sort of not being afraid of the, the rise in verbal communication or the rise in emotions. Instead, you really equip dads to get in there and you 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 offer these really inspiring stories about other dads and then you also provide these really helpful scripts. So I want to talk specifically about this book, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, because you really do provide tons of conversation starters in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my goal, Carmen, is really to equip dads to lead. I think we live in a culture where, you know, dads, here's my observation of 10 years of flying from my planet of Venus, right, to Mars. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And my observation is that most men, when they're when they're overwhelmed by all those needs, right, the words and the emotions of their daughter, that they'll back off and say, here, mom, you go in. And I found that men would rather do nothing than do it wrong. And I say, okay, dad, you realize doing nothing is doing it wrong. And they'll go, yeah. And I say, but I know you want to do it right. So what I've done in the last 10 years with dads is give them scripts. And I say to men, read it like I wrote it. And if it bombs, you just blame me and I'm your fall guy. And they're like, I'm good with that. And so in this book, I expanded those questions where dads can literally read them as I wrote them. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, men. And you can engage your daughter in conversations on all kinds of topics. I mean, I have everything from fun, lighthearted activities and games and conversations about like, what item of my clothing do you want to see me get rid of? 
Dad, you can ask your daughter that. <laughs> to asking her about her wedding day and things like that. All the way to the harder con conversations like about suicide and anxiety and depression and same-sex attraction and divorce and affairs and body image and self-esteem and some of the harder topics. And I'm going, Dad, your daughter needs you to literally know her in a deeper way. And if you don't ask the questions, she probably won't open up. So my goal is to equip you, Dad, to lead these conversations. All right. So the book is broken up into parts and I would love to. So let me just tell people. So part one is laying the groundwork, preparing yourself. That's you, dad, to pursue your daughter's heart. Um, and then we move into part two, which is the action plan. And there's these questions and activities uh, for connecting with your daughter's heart. As a part of that, you have the um, leader to laugh and then you have the leader to love. I would love for you, um, Michelle, to to pop into number 18 in the lead her to love section, if you can do that, um, because this one questions on her clothing choices like yes. there there's an area that dads do not know necessarily how to go and to go well. So let's just pop in there for a moment and give some examples of some conversation starters related to my daughter's clothing choices. Mm -hmm. So, Dad, what you need to realize is that your daughter cares about what she wears outside the house, right? So she's been planning her outfit probably the night before, maybe even, you know, a, a couple hours before she walks out the door. She may have a Pinterest page. Yeah, there you go. She's been putting it together. She's been thinking about it. She's been planning it. So if on the way out the door, you say to her, no daughter of mine is going out of the house like that, you actually are doing damage to her creativity, right? To her ingenuity. And so the way you build a bridge is not just coming down heavy and telling her what to think, but teaching her how to think. So what I would encourage you, dad, is that if you're really wanting to build a bridge to your daughter's heart is rather than saying, don't wear that. What if you said as a conversation starter, honey, I'm a guy. I know how guys think. And you're beautiful. I mean, the way you look, don't use the word hot, dad. That's not the word. That's not the word you want to use. <laughs> you're beautiful. What if you were to say to her, I wonder what kind of looks you'll get from guys today? What kind of noises out of their mouth whistling at you? What kind of comments you're going to get? What if you went into today with that on? Because I know you put a lot of time and effort into that. Affirm her first, but we're to say, I want us tonight at the end of the day, when I get home from work or you get home from school or your day to sit down and I want us to have a conversation about what you observed today. How were you treated by guys? Did they touch you? Did they make comments? And let's have a conversation about that. And in that chapter, Carmen, I've got questions to guide that conversation. But how do you think Ben would respond to that? You think that would be a good way for them to say, okay. Rather than just be the heavy, I want to have a conversation with her about what she's aware of. You've also, I think, you know, raised her awareness um, that what that the way that she moves in the world affects other people. And mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's not um, it's not gracious for Christians, for Christian women to dress in ways that are unnecessarily provocative in terms of what we know is going on in the hearts and minds of men. And so you know, it's not charitable of me as a woman to dress in a way um, that provokes the kinds of feelings and emotions in a man that I know 
certain uh, articles of clothing or, or levels of undress uh, would provoke. So I think that as a woman, woman to woman, those are conversations then that I could have uh, with our daughter as well. All right. Hey, we got to take a very brief break. I am talking with Michelle Watson. Best place to find her is drmichellewatson.com. Um, but you can also uh, check out her brand new book um, on Amazon and everywhere else. Let's talk. Conversation starters for dads and daughters. We'll be right back. Returning to my conversation now with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. You can find her online at drmichellewatson.com. We're talking today about her brand new book, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. Um, so, Michelle, we have uh, we have jumped into the conversation, and um, sometimes there are spaces and places where there are um, there's pain, Right. It's not just about making uh, making good, righteous and right decisions. You know, sometimes it's it's about real pain. You have um, you have a whole section in here about how dads can start conversations with their daughters in the lead her to lament portion of the book. First of all, tell me why that's in there. And then let's talk about some of those questions. Well, like we know, with physical injury, if we have an untreated you know, ailment or a broken bone, it affects our entire body, right? It affects everything we do. Well, it's the same on the inside as if your daughter is carrying wounds that she hasn't had treated or healed, it affects the decisions she makes, right? It affects every way she thinks and views the world out of that wounded place. So for dads to be able to connect with their daughters, to understand where they hurt, where they grieve, it's going to go a long way to not only increasing and strengthening their bond, but helping your daughter heal in areas that maybe she doesn't even know that she needs healing in. So for example, not only in this section am I talking about areas where she may be sad, it might be about a parent's divorce or the death of a loved one or a pet or something like that, or loss of a friendship that's gone sideways. But dad, it may be that she has wounds from you that you don't even know you've caused or voids, places where you've been absent. So in this section, I want dads to ask their daughters questions like, are there any words I've ever spoken to you? First, we'll do positive that have stuck with you that have made you feel better about yourself. But then to say, are there any words I've spoken to you that have stuck with you that have made you feel worse about yourself? Because dad, if she can tell you and have the courage to tell you because you've asked her the question, you can clean it out right then and it's not going to fester for years and years to come and cause her to make decisions out of that wounded place. Because we all know if daddy ain't filling that bucket, she's going to go looking for love. What? You know, In all, all the wrong places. places. You know? So that's, that's exactly why right. I have that lead her to lament section so dads can connect to the pain areas in their daughter's life instead of backing off and saying, you know, I'm going to let someone else do that. All right. And then I love um, that you flip the script. I love that there are questions in here for daughters to ask their dads. That's a um, that's that's kind of a, a terrifying section, by the way, but but good and important. Um, and then my listeners know, Michelle, that I love appendices. I love books with appendices. And you have oh uh, two. I, yeah. <laughs> Two appendices here that I want to highlight. First of all, um, there's a self-evaluation report card. Talk, talk about that. 
Well, a lot of men have told me, like, I don't really know where I'm at on the dad spectrum. I think I'm doing a good job, but I don't know. <laughs> and so I've had some dads with this questionnaire where they can rate themselves, you know, always, never, rarely kind of just check the boxes and then do a self-score at the end about how they're doing in specific areas. Like I'm saying, do you know what song she likes on the radio right now? How well do you know the names of her friends? Like you get to evaluate yourself, dad, and then score yourself. But really courageous dads have handed that checklist to their daughters and said, I want you to fill this out for me, on me. That's even more courageous. And really illuminating. So, I mean, like, you know, would you know if your daughter didn't show up when she was supposed to, would you know where to go looking? Like, do you actually know where she goes and hangs out? I mean, that's a huge question to know the answer to. Um, Exactly. Okay. So then the other appendices is preparing for reconciliation with your estranged daughter. There's there's the reality of brokenness and the brokenness of relationships and – um, and the the repair that is often needed. Talk with us about the preparation required for those dads who will at some point have the opportunity to move toward reconciliation with an estranged daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would easily say that probably 75% of the emails, Carmen, that I get from men across the country are about estrangement with their daughters. So this is a big section. And that's why it's not only in the appendices for dad to prepare himself, but I have information about that questionnaires and, you know, conversation starters about that process. If there is a, what I call a bombed out bridge between a dad and his daughter, but on this preparation for reconciliation, if a dad hasn't prepared his heart, himself, his emotions, his spirit to hear what she's going to say, he's going to be defensive, right? He's going to try to talk her out of why that's not a big deal. Tell her she's making a mountain out of a molehill. So, Dad, your preparation to hear what your daughter's going to say for your heart, your head, your spirit is really vital. So, Dad, it's about really committing yourself to prayer, being open to hearing what your daughter's going to tell you without defensiveness. I even have some scriptures in there about preparing yourself, especially Luke 15, right, about the prodigal. I mean, the dad stood there and was watching and waiting for his son when he came home, right, in that chapter. And he Every funded, day. Every he funded day. the rebellion. And yeah. then he put a robe around him, which I see as trying to cover the son's shame. The dad said, I don't want everyone to see your tattered smelly clothes. I'm going to put my robe around you. That dad was waiting. In fact, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here because dad, if you want a five-fold way to engage your estranged or your daughter's heart and estranged or your close daughter, so it doesn't matter which, where you're at with your daughter. Luke 15, 20 says the dad saw the son, ran toward him, kissed him, embraced him. There was this total moving toward filled with compassion, saw him, ran toward him, kissed him, hugged him. That's the same template for you and your kids. If you do those five things, you're going to have a healthy relationship with your son and your daughter, both. So that's why I love that that passage of scripture. Amen. Amen. All right. The book is Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield is the author. You can find her online at drmichellewatson.com. Michelle, as always, thanks so much for joining us on Mornings with Carmen. Oh, I've loved being with you. Thanks for having me. What a delight. We'll be right back.
All right. Hey, let me remind you one more time that I do have copies of Michelle Watson Canfield's book, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. If you want to enter to win one of those copies, you just text the word book to 877-933-2484. I got a listener who says, hey, that lady would make a great uh, a great guest um, host when you're out of town. Yes, she would, but she lives on the West Coast, so she'd have to get up at, like, bananas early. I don't even know. How early would she have to get up? I mean, I get up at 4, so, hmm. Uh, she'd have to get up really, really early to be able to do this at 6 a.m. Central Time, so... But, yeah, hey, thanks. Uh, always, uh, always interested to have your feedback and guests that you like to hear and conversations that you're enjoying, so thanks for that. You can always text those comments to that same number, 877-933-2484. All right, next up, I have got David Aikman. We have more international headlines to talk about than uh, than we possibly could. So let me just give you one before we um, take, a, take a quick news break here. Uh, in Christchurch, New Zealand, the Australian citizen who carried out the massacre of 51 people at those two mosques in in Christchurch last year. He appeared in court today for a sentencing proceeding that's expected to last several days. But let's be just be praying for all of the families um, who, you know, every time that these kinds of things emerge in the news, there are people who are going to then relive those events in their hearts and minds and households. So let's be praying for all involved in that today as well. Next up, David Aikman. We're going to spin the globe and look at international headlines. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Lucado. Some historians clump Christ with Muhammad, Moses, Confucius, and other spiritual leaders. But Jesus refuses to share the page. In John 14, 6, Jesus declares, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He could have scored more points in political correctness had he said, I know the way or I show the way. Yet he speaks not of what he does, but of who he is. I am the way. His disciple Peter announced, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Believe in yourself? No. Believe in him. Believe in them? No. Believe in him. And John 3.16 promises to those who believe in him, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believe in him. Believe in the one he sent. This is Max Locato. My name is Bond, James Bond. David Aikman is back. He is the editor of Godspeed Magazine. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much, Carmen. Very good to be on there, brother. Thank you so much. We have a lot of terrain to cover today, so let's start in uh, in Belarus. What would you uh, What would you have us know about that unfolding situation? Well, it's really remarkable from two perspectives. One is the failure of the Belarus electoral authorities to respect independent observers, including foreign observers who detected serious faults in the actual election system. And Lukashenko has reacted fiercely to any protest against the results of the election when he declared himself victorious in a contest that many people considered completely unfair. And, of course, the other point is that Lukashenko is relying on 
promises of Putin to help him stay in power. And that, I think, is like leaning on a a very fragile reed, because Putin has his own challenges in Russia. And if you want, we could go on to that topic as well. Sure, absolutely. Well, you probably know about the suggested poisoning. It was the chief opposition personality, Alexei Navalny, uh, was uh, went very seriously ill flying back from uh, Tomsk in Siberia. And he suspected and his aide suspected that he'd been poisoned by having something dropped into his tea. He got very, very ill. He was hospitalized in Siberia. And because they didn't, uh, his assistants thought that he probably would not get uh, treatment in Russia, and they might even try to kill him off. He was um, extradited, not extradited, he was evacuated to a hospital in Germany. Yeah, and I was going to say, it's our understanding that he uh, he is there in a coma. That's right. Yes, he's very seriously ill. And unfortunately, the suspicion of poison has come up because the Russian security services have used poison several times before. I mean, uh, Sergei Skripal in England, they tried to poison him in Salisbury. And Yushchenko, the uh, president of of Ukraine for uh, a few years, he was poisoned in his campaign. And in every case, it seemed to be Russian security services or people in link with them who were putting the poison in people's drink or so forth. And then there's the Litvinenko case in England back in 2006. So unfortunately, the tool of coercion that the Russians most seem to enjoy using is poisoning, and poor old Navalny has fallen prey to this. So I want to point out, David, that um, both in uh, in Belarus and in uh, and in the situation in Russia, um, we're talking here about people who hold political power as the president and or the prime minister, um, who intend to keep that power. No matter what. I mean, and we've we've seen this other places around the globe. I mean, we've had lots of conversations about Venezuela. Um, it occurs to me that, you know, it's just important to reiterate to the American uh, populace that no matter how bad, uh, you know, things get in the in the way we go about uh, our political process of elections, the reality is we do have orderly elections. We do trust um, one another and we trust our system. And part of the challenge we are now facing is that there are those actively seeking to undermine um, uh, the the security of the U.S. election and then thereby undermine the confidence that Americans have in the outcome um, of the electoral process. So I just want to highlight that, um, you know, for, for people who are listening today, we we are experiencing something unique in the United States of America. We do have these orderly transitions of power from one elected president to the next, um, and we certainly not only have hope that that will continue, but 
but confidence that it will, because that's really a witness to the rest of the world, because what you and I are talking about is the way the rest of the world tends to behave, um, which is badly. Yes, well, particularly in the area of Russia. I mean, the uh, the Ukrainian election was very, very acrimonious a few years ago. And, oh, Vladimir Putin has been in office in power since the year 2000. And he shows no sign whatever of getting out of office. And Alexei Navalny, who perhaps was poisoned or at least fell violently ill on a plane coming back from Siberia, is the most credible political opponent that he has in in Russia. So you've got two Slavic leaders, Putin and Lukashenko, essentially relying upon the security service to keep them in office. And I think that's quite disturbing. All right. David and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to uh, take a pivot to Iran and have a conversation there before we turn our attention to uh, to Asia. So that's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. I am talking with David Aikman. We'll be right back. I am Continuing my conversation with David Aikman from Godspeed Magazine, uh, we are going to have a conversation now about U.S.-Iranian uh, relations and and how the rest of the world is responding to that. So, David, uh, for people who don't know the headline news related to Iran, what move has the U.S. made uh, recently? Well, the U.S. wants the European nations to reimpose so-called back sanctions on Iran because of the failure of Iran to comply with uh, restrictions that were that it entered into when the Iranian five-power agreement was signed between Iran, uh, the U.S., Russia, and the European powers back in 2015. Now, President Trump canceled that, uh, pulled out of that deal with Europe and the Iranians back in 2017. And he argues that Iran should be absolutely prevented from acquiring any kind of weapons system from other countries at this time, because it's continuing to finance and uh, supply really hostile forces in Europe uh, who are promoting its own interests. And, of course, one place where they've been doing that is in uh, in Lebanon, where they basically supported Hezbollah to try and destabilize the country of Lebanon. And we can see what happened when uh, that... Uh, ammonium nitrate blew up in the harbor uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's a very disturbing situation. And Iran is meddling like a, you know, like a malevolent uh, person stirring uh, a, a soup bowl with very vicious fish within it. Uh, I have a friend who made an observation over the weekend, David, that I thought was, you know, particularly astute. Uh, and and 
he's basically saying, look, while the United States of America is very busy gazing at her own, you know, naval, which, you know, there are times in which we have to pay attention to things at home. And I get that. Um, And with all of the uh, restrictions that COVID-19 has now imposed globally in terms of people's ability to travel and what that does to accountability and relationships or even just the relationships that uh, people from various nations have with one another, particularly in the diplomatic corps, like all of that is is not um, preventing the advance of bad actors. Like bad actors are not taking a pause in the midst of all this. And Iran would top that list, but North Korea would be on that list as well. Um, and I know that for you and I, it would be just total speculation to comment on what's going on with Kim Jong-un. But um, for those who aren't aware this morning, you know, his... Uh, 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 There are those who are claiming that he's dead. Again, we deal with this headline from time to time and that his sister uh, is the one rising into power. Um, David, can we take a quick pivot this morning, um, then also to Hong Kong um, and then and then headlines uh, related to that as well? What's going on in Hong Kong that we need to know about? Well, the United States has imposed restrictions on or sanctions on individual members of the Hong Kong administration, starting with Carrie Lam, who's the administrator of the Special Administrative Region of Hong Kong, and many others, because this comes in the wake of China's imposition of a national security law over the, the whole of Hong Kong, which would essentially suppress all democratic activity that the Chinese Communist Party believes is hostile to them. And, of course, anybody speaking up in Hong Kong critical of China can be accused of hostile activity. So the national security law of the Communist Party of China is a very sinister event in Hong Kong's political development. That's why the U.S. has reacted so strongly. When uh, you know you and I have now been talking about uh, this unfolding situation in Hong Kong um, for the better, well, actually for more than a year, um, and we talk periodically about where we might see signs of hope or where there might be uh, evidences that positive progress is being made, um, I actually, uh, you know, it feels to me, David, as if uh, it's getting worse and not better, but maybe it has to get worse before it gets better, um, as we in the United States talk about. Uh, even greater restrictions related to China or the severing of some significant relationships with China. Um, You know, just your perspective on sort of does it have to get worse before it gets better or do you see it getting better anytime soon? I don't see any imminent improvement in U.S.-China relations. And it's significant that China has completely supported the election of the Belarus president, Lukashenko, in an election which is openly regarded as fraudulent by most of the, in fact, all of the European Union and, of course, by the United States as well. So you've got a Chinese president who props up uh, strong people in the Slavic area like Lukashenko who are also being supported by Russia. So there's a rather ominous kind of axis, I won't say axis of evil, or some people might call it that, 
that axes of powers, international powers, that are propping up strong men in different parts of the world, and that's rather sinister. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I participated uh, on Friday in a in a webinar about the um, the continuing atrocities related to the Uyghur population, and one of the things that I learned, and I'll just admit that I uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know this in advance, but a huge percentage of the cotton that is produced in China, and China is a, a major uh, supplier of cotton um, to, to fashion retailers around the world. Um, a huge percentage of the cotton that is picked in in China is picked by Uyghurs who obviously are forced unpaid labor. Um, and so I do think I do think that on the human rights front, there is going to be a greater and greater attention paid and, and conversations about the fact that we can no longer in good conscience ignore what we now know uh, is happening to the Uyghur people. So I look forward to revisiting that conversation with you in the coming weeks as well. Absolutely, Tom, and I, I look forward to it, too. Hey, we, um, we appreciate you paying attention to uh, international news, and we appreciate you uh, joining us each Monday for these conversations. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Tom, for having me. Have a wonderful we'll, week. You, too. We'll be right back. All right, I rarely leave myself enough time at the end to make comments about anything else. But today, I got a little, I got like a minute. So um, here was something interesting that I read in relationship to, as I was doing my research for my conversation with David Aikman. India will soon surpass China in the number of the world's tallest religious statues. And you're saying to yourself, well, who cares? Okay, so here's the reality. You and I sometimes have to find some things that we can point to that enable us to talk about um, passages of stories from the Bible, right? Things that have happened in human history. I mean, if I were to say to you, hey, do you remember when some people way back when tried to build something that was going to be so tall that they would be able to, uh, you know, see God or reach heaven or, you know, demonstrate their their prowess? Well, yeah, you're going to say to yourself, well, yeah, I remember the Tower of Babel. Is that what you're talking about? Well, that's one really good um, example. Do you remember in the Old Testament a story where um, there was a king who wanted a a visage of himself constructed, and it would be huge, and it was huge, um, but that uh, it ended up lying down on its face more than once. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, that's that story of King Darius. I remember those stories. That's in, Isn't that in Daniel? And I'm going to say, yes, good memory there, little Bible students. Okay, so opportunities for you and I to recognize that there are stories today, contemporary stories today, because I can assure you uh, that these religious statues in India and China are not being resurrected, or not being resurrected, not being erected um, in honor of the Lord our God, nor in honor of our Savior Jesus Christ. No, no. If you were to look at them, and first of all, don't you find it a little surprising that there are religious statues in China? You're going to have to say to yourself, well, what does that mean? Well, let's just remember that, um, you know, the Chinese Communist Party views itself as um, as the primary religious expression. And so although it limits the commercialization of Buddhism and Taoism, it still does have these huge, huge statues 
um, uh, that are that are Buddhist um, in nature. Okay, and so then if you were to pivot to India, now here you're going to see um, uh, Hindu nationalism, and that's really what's going on when you talk about, um, let's say, bomb, uh, Bombay's statue of a Hindu warrior king. These uh, these huge statues now that are being added to. Um, all over the place across the uh, nation of India to give um, honor and glory to um, Hindu figures throughout history. Now, uh, you and I as Christians have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity here. What are those at their very basis? Um, Yeah, that'd be idols. And it's an opportunity to talk about idolatry. It's still a thing today, and it happens in our hearts every day. So uh, let us... uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not worry so much about the things. All these things will be added unto you. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.